0: Get bite sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at That's seboc.com. That's S E B O C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away?
1: Hello, this is Dr. Jeremy Lookaball, Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach, as well as Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant. In addition to CBoc.com that you just heard, you can also visit my website at termboot.com. And also, if you're in the Industrial Organizational Psychology field, especially starting out, we have an exciting new I.O. Career Pathfinder program. So if you're an early career, or even you're still in school and looking to find your way, hop on over to cblock.com, click on IOs, start here, and join our waiting list for I.O. Career Pathfinder membership. Also on the panel today, we have Sarah Smith-Berry of Freego Consulting. Sarah's a psychometrician, veteran advocate, consultant, and modern stoic. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw, voice and speech coach, and a damn good actor at that He is the leading voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community.
2: Here we are once again. We're about to have a conversation. Uh, (laughs) And Jeremy, you've got a great topic for us today. Let's let's start off with that.
1: Yeah. So looking at this article from The Independent, tech expert reveals nine ways to make your work life better. And coming from a tech expert, and it's on the internet, so it has to be true. So (laughs) that we're going to look at, we were talking earlier about uh, meetings and how to make effective meetings and how you can if you really want to try how you can make meetings terrible and boring so we're going to talk about some of the, the the do's and the don'ts one of the engagement pieces here is in terms of ditching powerpoints so for <laughs> all of you out there that love powerpoints please continue to listen because we're not going to dis powerpoints we're just going to talk about ditching PowerPoints. I'll read a little bit. So again, this is an article from The Independent from Lewis Hall and uh, read a little bit of the verbatim here. By now, we're all aware of how little your colleagues will read anything you put in front of them if it's made in one of Microsoft Office's most boring PowerPoint templates with having some branded its worst business tool ever created uh the uh, author continues research puts forward the idea of throwing powerpoints out the window altogether and replacing them with physical resources for example here it states at amazon meetings start meetings start in silence as each attendee reads a document prepared for subsequent discussion we don't do powerpoint says jeff bezos proclaimed in a letter as he did to shareholders instead we write narratively structured six page memos i'm interested in that comment because there's not quite a, enough there for us to understand what in the world jet is just talking about what is a narratively structured six page memos so you have a meeting and each person is sitting there writing a six page memo or they're reading it and then for discussion so let's turn it right over to talking about ditching powerpoints sarah i don't think you have any opinions on this or anything that you want to share
3: You're so silly, Jeremy, because of course you know I do. Um, Okay, so when it comes to PowerPoint, I always say like no to death by PowerPoint. In the military, that's what we call it, death by PowerPoint, because we will have slide decks that are like 150 slides. And you can just imagine what that's like, what it's like to sit through slide after slide after slide, especially if you have a poor presenter who is reading from those slides. There is nothing worse. So that's why when you say a six page memo, like I cringe a little because I'm like, wait a minute, I don't feel like that's taking us in the right direction per se. Um, So personally, I do a lot of group events and I host a lot of events and I find the more that I can get the audience or the group to contribute to what it is I'm presenting the more takeaways there are, the more synthesization of information. Is that even a word? The more the information is synthesized into actual actionable material, right? The more that I can get memorable moments and memorable bookmarks of conversation integrated in whatever I'm presenting, the better off I'm doing. And one tool that I use to do that, and no, I am not sponsored by them in any way, although I think eventually I hope I might be, or we will be, is Mentimeter. So Mentimeter is absolutely fantastic. Use it all the time. Um, It does have slide functionality to it, but you can also collect real time data um, in the form of polls and you can present them as amazing scatter plots and bar graphs and charts. And it's just absolutely incredible because people love visuals and it provides a huge layer of anonymity as well. So it's not going to give the person's name as they are responding. So you get real honest feedback live as you're conducting any sort of training or an event. So I think it's absolutely fabulous. And every training that I've been a part of or that I have done where that tool has been used has been absolutely incredible. So I recommend that all of our listeners check that out. Um, but there's also other things. So like we mentioned, coming to meetings and how do we make them less boring and how do we make sure that we're prepared and all of that? And one of the things that I would say is, first ask, do we need to have this meeting in the first place? Because I feel like we have way too many meetings um, Meetings to talk about further meetings. So if it can be said in an email, then you don't need to have an e- a meeting about it, period. Um, and I also am a huge fan of pre and post emails prior to meetings. So within the pre-email would be an agenda. So this is what we're going to cover during the meeting. That way you're making the most efficient use of time um, and everything is billeted out who is going to talk about what. And then a post, which is you have someone during the meeting who is capturing notes, or it could be a recorded recording of the session that's transcribed. And you send that out post meeting. So people will have a transcription of what everyone said, and they can either put that into their own set of notes, or they can use that to write up their follow up emails or reference later because Jeremy, Tom, we can, our brains are really, really crappy at this one thing. And that's called remembering. Okay. Our brains suck at remembering things, especially if it's the minutiae of a conversation. We start filling in those gaps with what we think happened. And then guess what? We have to have another meeting because we forgot. So let's do what we can to prevent that from happening.
1: <laughs> I'll add on to that. So there's a couple things with that. So uh, there's, a, there's a software called Otter. It's otter.ai. Many of you already know about it. That's something that will integrate with, I think, Zoom. I think Google Meet sometimes it's not perfect, but that will, you can actually get a transcript running through of whatever is hap- going on in the Zoom. And that can be very helpful if you don't have, if you're not the kind of person, if you like an agenda or can at least appreciate one and you're not the kind of person that is going to put together an agenda because it's kryptonite to you, get an agenda partner, get someone who is very structured, who likes that and who can at- contact you really quick just for like a two minute call before any kind of meeting that you haven't said, okay, what are the important things that you wanna talk about? I'll write them down. I will send out an agenda. Because if you're gonna go the route of scrapping a PowerPoint, then you you have no PowerPoint, no agenda. You're going, you've got a not good way to go to a not good meeting. So you've gotta have some kind of structure because let's face it, even if half of us are less structured, half are gonna be more structured. So make sure you have that so, Sarah, you also mentioned we're bad at remembering things. There is a study that came out a while ago, and it's very, very helpful. The, the takeaway is very simple. We're much better at remembering things and learning things when we do recall versus repeating information. So think of it like this. If you really want to learn material in a book, per se, let's say you're you know back in college, textbook. If you read a page, close the book and just try to recall everything you just read rather than reading it again. When you engage in recall, it helps your brain put things into something called, it's elaborative rehearsal is the concept, rather than maintenance rehearsal, which is repetition. So elaborative rehearsal is when our brains put things into meaningful chunks and uh, based on stories, experiences that are meaningful to us. So I think part of what the idea is here, with Amazon going to writing narratively structured memos and people read those before meetings, I think what it does is it can actually help the employees remember what the content is because throughout that meeting, they are constantly having to recall what is in there rather than just absorbing or trying to absorb anything that's in a PowerPoint. The last number that I saw...
3: I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I really hope they have someone like Tom that is helping teach these people to read in a way that is not putting people to sleep. <laughs> because I'm telling you, I would have trouble. I understand the recall, but they they had better be employing some speech coaches, like left and right, <laughs> if they're doing that.
1: <laughs> well, no, I don't think they're reading the memos out loud. I think the memos are given to them and they ha- they sit quietly at their meeting Reading oh, and they them, read memos. it to
3: themselves Okay, yeah, they're reading I'm them sitting memos to here themselves. I'm like, why would we listen to people read?
1: Right I'm glad you mentioned it Because if you're thinking that There's hundreds of other people listening that are thinking that So yeah, yeah, they're reading it to themselves
3: Got it Because I'm thinking of grade school When we had to take turns going around the classroom reading And I was like, that was nap time
1: Like, Yeah Yeah um, that's the and, last thing you want to do in a meeting—is have people fall asleep. <laughs> um. Ten percent of information—that—that's the—that's the going rate, and I think that's in what ten thousand studies. People remember ten percent of what's in a, in a lecture, and I remember thinking this because I remember an article about five years ago that I read that you know med students they still go to these medical lectures, 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 lectures and they're only recalling 10%, these are gonna be the doctors that are working on us and you know, we're older and, and gray kind of thing. So there are much better ways to engage an audience. Use something like Sarah was saying, like, like Mentimeter or Swift Pull by ExciteM, no, again, uh, no affiliation. That's something that we used. When we first started having, we used to have these Seabock happy hours. They were every Wednesday at 6 p.m. for probably a year. And they were just so engaging. We did, three, we would have five poll questions for these happy hours, which are really kind of informational, get together, collaborative meetings. And we would have a set of five questions. There are so many of these happy hours that we got to two, because you do a share screen, you put the poll up, and then all of a sudden on your screen, and I'm sure it's the same thing with Mentimeter, I believe. You've got these answers just popping up, popping up, popping up on the screen, and then Whoever we had as hosting or facilitating, they would they you know we would, they would get in touch with us beforehand like, "Hey, what am I supposed to do? I'm I'm a guest host, I'm a facilitator." I would say, "You're probably just going to say about three words and then the the audience is just going to take it from there." And isn't that a good way to get engagement? And that's what would normally happen. Because it would really just be a huge just uh, structured chaotic. Is that a, is that a what is that? It's like a jumbo shrimp. What's that called, Tom? Oxymoron. An oxymoron, right. <laughs> so it was structured chaos of just people engaged in this information sharing, these questions being asked, and really all the talent pool that we had during this happy hour, people got to use their insights, their talents, and it went very well. And isn't that the kind of meeting that we all want to be engaged in? I often say if the, a good indicator of any meeting is the energy level that you feel afterwards. If you feel drained, not a good meeting. If you feel more energetic, good meeting.
0: You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. We'll be right back after this break. Turnboot. The name is not elegant. Neither are the issues that organizations face. Led by a PhD in industrial organizational psychology, you can rest assured that the highest standards and latest in workplace and human behavior science will be used to get your organization results with a tailored plan specific to your workplace needs. Truly helping others, integrity, positive impact, and getting results. That's what we stand for. That's TurnBoot Organizational Excellence. Welcome back. You're listening to Work Cookie, a
2: CBOC podcast. Tom, over you. <laughs> I've been quiet a long time. All right. Um, first of all, I'm not reading a six-page memo from anybody, including Jeff Bezos, especially right before a meeting. Um, and PowerPoint, like some of the other tools you've been talking about, is just a tool. Um, we don't need to extinguish PowerPoint. We don't need to expel it from our vocabulary. What we really need to do is teach people how to use the darn thing. so as like Sarah has mentioned oh my god if you putting if you're putting everything that you're about to say on your powerpoint guess what nobody's looking at you nobody's listening to you as soon as that graphic goes up they're reading the darn slide so get that off of there Uh, you know it's how do we use it more effectively well if you haven't read gar reynolds presentations and it's one of the first books you need to go out and buy because uh, he talks about you know bullets are for guns not for your powerpoint get your text off of there uh, and you know if you can use powerpoint effectively so that you know if you've got topics that you're repeatedly bringing up in the meeting and you can attach that to an image all you have to do is bring the image up and everybody knows what you're about to talk to. talk about, so it's not really the tool; it's how we're using the darn tool. And so, I don't want to see PowerPoint gone forever because I like PowerPoint. <laughs> but yeah, I've gone to conventions. I've sat here on my computer watching people use PowerPoint. And once again, if if you're not if you don't know how to use it successfully, you're really just putting your audience to sleep the way you're using it. So, you know, from my perspective. And by the way, have you seen Jeff Bezos try to communicate? (laughs) You know, he's not the best in the world. So why are we taking communication, you know, advice from Jeff Bezos? Uh, So let's not totally get rid of those things. Let's focus on instead how we need to use this technology and some best practices. Because technology is neither good nor evil most of the time. (laughs) And it's really about you know, getting those skills. And, you know, this is advice from a tech expert. I'm kind of getting tired of taking advice from tech experts. Uh, (laughs) As you well know, I have lots of friends who are tech experts Uh, and, and we'll have this, you know, argument offline. But here's another wonderful tool. Here's the next shiny object. And we should all run out and buy it, which makes them happy. But once again, if it's a tool that we do not know how to use, it's worthless to us. So let's, you know, once again, look at, especially with the remote force, who are these people? What are they trying to do? Now, here are some effective tools for you, but let's talk soft skills, because if you do not have soft skills, like the ability to speak and have people understand you, you have problems. I mean, you were mentioning Otter, Jeremy, and I've used Otter, and it's like, I don't know if it's the best one out there. It's one of the most well-known ones out there that transcribes things but if you have poor speech if you talk over 200 words per minute which a lot of people are getting into you're going to spend more time correcting the transcript than if you just written the darn thing out so once again tools are just tools it's the soft skills it's the skills that we need to use those tools effectively that really do make the difference
3: Tom, how do we get leaders to take that more seriously? How do we get leaders to start looking at soft skills as not soft, right? Because we hear the word soft, like why did they even get the name soft in the first place? Why are hard skills hard skills? And why are soft skills soft? Because to me, in a capitalist society like the United States at least, that is not going to be preferred, right? So maybe we need to rename them. Maybe maybe we need to rename them, but that's that's something for another time. Maybe we can brainstorm that later. But I just want to know, how do I get leaders to take teaching soft skills, especially to people who are going to be presenting, who are going to be training, who are going to be leading, how do I get them to pay more attention to the need for that?
2: Well, really interesting because I was talking with another IO on the weekend and we were talking about soft skills. And she let, you know, let me know that in Europe, they don't have a problem with soft skills. They actually like them quite a bit, but I, and I think, I think she makes a really good point when she says, let's stop calling them soft skills and let's call them people skills. So we have hard skills and people skills. I like that a lot better. How do we get the people in charge, those decision makers to really understand how important soft skills are? I think we have to talk money, baby. (laughs) Follow the money. Uh, And it's what all leaders, and here's some advice for leaders that they may not have heard yet, but the way that we do accounting, the way that organizations around the world are doing accounting is about to change. We have a new revolution with what we're calling intangible assets. So part of that is what are the skills especially soft skills that your employee has. If you've got somebody who's an excellent speaker and presenter, can you actually give that a value? Well, you can, and you can then start reporting that as an asset on your balance sheet. So, you know, how do you want (laughs) to, if you want to make the bottom line look really good, you need to include your intangible assets. So it's, it's part of the revolution that we're seeing now, not only in the way that we do business with things like the hybrid or remote workforce, but it's even going to extend into how do organizations keep their books? And so we're gonna see this trend occurring where people skills are going to become one of the most valuable assets that you can find in an employee. And if they don't have those skills, you actually want to train them because it's not only gonna add to the bottom line when it comes to those intangible assets or people skills, but it's actually going to make your business work more efficiently. It's going to make it work better, better communication. There's less issues down the line. And if you can eliminate those, the profits go up. So anytime we're talking to leadership, I think we need to frame it in financial terms because it seems to be what they're listening to right now. I think there'll be a, a, you know, a, a tipping point where, all of a sudden leaders are going to start to realize the value of these assets they're going to start to even more realize that that person working for you is more than just an expense you know and a position you need to fill it's actually going to be part of the of the assets of your company and the better you you have your your employees trained the better they're going to reflect that so i think it's coming i think it's going to be a tipping point that we're going to see probably in the next 18 months to three years uh, i think uh, we should
3: put a timeline on it i think we should say employers less if you're listening you have eight to twelve months let's put a deadline on it let's draw a line in the sand because if it really is a tipping point then we sh- the employees and the market should be calling the shots the consumer should be calling the shot so i love that tom and i'm just curious jeremy i saw your eyebrows up and down. So like, I want to know what what were you thinking about all of that?
1: So be, be, I wanted, so Tom, he was talking about best practices and PowerPoint. So I think before we end, we should give a couple of our, our best practices, but I also want to take the opportunity, three commercials I'm going to do right now. So of course, contact any of us for the soft skills in and in, in, in the workforce, Tom, especially if you're looking at speech and Tom's talking about words per minute and voice, if you notice Tom has quite a voice. And that's what he does, is he helps leaders, he helps te- he teaches CEOs, organizational leaders, how can we get our uh, message to, to come across the right way? So connect with Tom Bradshaw, Thomas Bradshaw on LinkedIn, uh, and also VCM, right? So we're looking at vcmastery.com. What Tom was talking about was the new profit model for the remote workforce. So we're starting to look at employees as um, assets uh, on the balance sheet as way, uh, in, in regards to that instead of the other way around. So vcmastery.com is there. My two tips for uh, the PowerPoint best practices. In general, no more than per slide, no more than seven bullets per slide, and no more than seven words per bullet, just as a rule of thumb. If you wanna get really good, have a PowerPoint slide with just a single word on it, there you go, you talk about that word, that's your cue. Next, if you're doing a PowerPoint meetings, it might be a good idea if you can if it's, if you can share your PowerPoint slide, put that in the chat as a document that people can download. Because whether you think so or not, or even thought about this, many people are not paying attention to what you're saying or your PowerPoint because they're too busy taking screenshots of each slide and trying to put those into their uh, OneNote or their document so that they have the information that you're presenting. When it on and if you could just simply provide them, say, look. You don't have to take your screenshots, the PowerPoint, you can download it and then you can pay attention to this beautiful, wonderful information that we had to share. So before we end this particular episode, let's go screen left to right on our best tips. And for those of you who can't see my view of the screen, Sarah, you're on my left, so go ahead and start.
3: Perfect. So um, again, use tools, but remember that they are in fact tools. Make sure that you're taking the time to, as I like to refer to it as train the trainer. So if you have a really excellent presenter, have them teach other people how they present. Um, Leverage your employees, look at the way that, look at their actual skill sets. Don't just get um, caught up in the job title and what their roles and responsibilities look like. Look at your employees for what Drives them, what makes them excited? And if you have trouble identifying what those are, you can always reach out to me and I can help you understand your people a little bit better.
2: Uh, <laughs> here's my couple of points try to get away from bullets completely, try to get as much text as you can off that screen. Images work much better. But once that image goes up, stop talking. It's going to take two to three seconds that your audience is not going to be paying any attention to you. They're going to be looking at that image. And God forbid, if you put text on there, they're going to be reading it. So give them time to digest that information before you start talking again, because whatever you say, they ain't going to hear it. So give them a few seconds. And you can even, you know, especially if you're in, if you're working in the real world and you're actually in front of a group of people or on the stage, you can watch their eyes. They'll look at the uh, PowerPoint, and then they'll come back to you. Then start talking again. You've actually got them back. So my two would be, you know, try to get away from anything but images. You can't do it 100% of the time, but then give your audience a chance to absorb whatever information you put onto the screen. Because if you really want to connect the two, you've got to give them that pause, which Jeremy and I keep talking about. Let them digest the information
1: and then continue the conversation jeremy that pause is so important my sweet spot is six seconds six seconds of silence is a very long time and i'm talking about try this in your normal conversations with your with your kids with your spouse, with your coworkers, especially, and I'm changing gears a little bit here, but especially in emotional types of conversations. People, when during emotional conversations, people need extra time to digest and, and to understand what's this information and how is that affecting me? You'll often find that when you think it's your turn to talk in a normal conversation and you wait 10 seconds instead, the other person will keep talking and you'll actually start to find out information that you've been trying to get. In terms of what's the real issue here and how can we begin to work together so six seconds is a very long time it is a beautiful amount of time use silence definitely as your friend think of it this way too if anyone's ever watched stand-up comedy uh the there is a pause between sometimes the punchline because there's laughter could you imagine if they interrupted the laughter every time to continue on to the second part of their joke or whatever, it the silence is absolutely golden, and there's a bit of silence there. We're going to end. We'll see you in the next episode in five, four, three, two, and one. Thanks for listening to this episode of
0: Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast.